Hello, dear friends, and welcome to another inspiring edition of New Promise Church's weekly sermons. We are truly delighted to have you join us today. Whether you are a longtime member of our congregation or a first-time visitor, we extend a warm and heartfelt welcome to you. Each week, we come together in the spirit of fellowship and reflection to explore timeless truths, gain spiritual insights, and draw closer to our Creator. We believe that through the power of the Word and the messages shared here, we can find guidance, comfort, and a deeper connection to our faith. Before we begin, I'd like to invite you to take a moment to prepare your hearts and minds for the wisdom and inspiration that will be shared here today. Whether you're listening from the comfort of your home, during your commute, or as part of our congregation, we encourage you to engage with an open heart and an open mind. As we embark on this journey of faith together, remember that you are not alone. We are a community bound by our shared belief, and we are here to support and uplift one another. Now, without further ado, let us turn our attention to the message that awaits us in today's episode. We continue in our prayer series. A brief summary of my last sermon. Thank you, brother. Thank you. I'm feeling a little off this morning because someone moved my pulpit. It's usually right here. My equilibrium's off or something. I don't know. I'm going to turn this fan off. Okay. All right. I guess I'll work from here. It's a little off, but we'll be okay. God's grace is sufficient. Well, I want to thank Pastor Nick for filling in for the pulpit last week. And my brother, my brother, well, he is my brother, Danny Shalero, and my son uh, for filling in the week before. So it's good to be back in the pulpit. And we are going to continue our series on the Lord's Prayer. And I thought a good way that we would start today is that we could all recite the Lord's Prayer together. So that's going to be on the screen. So. You can follow me and we'll all recite this out loud together. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Amen. Well, we started off with our Father who art in heaven. We've built a foundation of the relationship we have with God as our Father. We are hallowing his name. We are coming to that relationship with intimacy, but not casually hallowing his name. And then we pray for his kingdom to come, for his kingdom to come to the souls of men, to reign in our hearts, and to reign in this world. And today we are praying, Thy will be done on earth as it it is in heaven. So there's obviously two key components to this prayer. We're praying for God's will. So today we have to establish what is God's will. 
And then, however it's being done in heaven, we want it to also be done on earth the same way. This prayer exists because obviously God's will is not always being done on earth as it is in heaven. So our prayers are making a difference, and we're going to learn how how that is today. So we're going to begin this morning by examining a vast topic. Last time I preached, I told you how vast the kingdom of God was. Well, now we're actually going to talk about what the will of God is is. I mean, what a vast topic. So I've come up with five different aspects or spheres of God's will that hopefully will help us to pray. This is a good day to take notes because some of these might be a little hard to just remember. So number one, we're going to talk about God's will of purpose also known as his sovereignty. We can use those synonymously. God's will of purpose or his sovereignty. God's sovereign will embodies all of the universe, including heaven, hell, and earth. There is absolutely nothing that happens in the universe that is outside of God's influence and authority. He is King of kings and Lord of lords, and his authority has no limitations. Let's look at a few scriptures concerning God's sovereignty. First one. Ephesians 1.11 In whom also we have obtained an inheritance, being predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will. Everything that goes on in the world, God works all things according to the counsel of his will. Next scripture, please. The Lord of hosts has sworn, saying, Surely as I have thought, so it shall come to pass. And as I have purposed, so it shall stand. There are things that God has thought and things that God has purposed in this world that are going to happen no matter what we do or don't do. This is the sovereign will of God. Next scripture, please. This is speaking of the Lord Jesus Christ, God the Son. For in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. I mean, what a verse concerning the sovereignty and authority of God. God was before all things, He created all things. He has authority over all things. They were made through him, for him. And the Bible says that he holds all things together. Your personal life is being held together by God Almighty. This church is being held together. This country is being held together. 
this world is being held together. The cosmos, the galaxies are being held together by the sovereign will of God Almighty. Sometimes it amazes me. I, I will preach on the sovereignty of God and I almost, without neglect, get at least one or two emails from somebody who questioned the sovereignty of God. I don't know how you could look as God being God and not seeing his supreme authority over everything. It's, it's a scripture that should bring us all great comfort. And it is also scripture that should cause us to bow and worship him, that he is sovereign over everything. We see all throughout the Old and New Testament that God has purposely predetermined the lives of peoples, nations, and circumstances according to his good pleasure. This is his will of purpose, his sovereign will. God predetermined that the Jews would be his chosen people. He could have chose any other ethnicity, but he chose the Jews, and he has ultimately chosen that he is going to save the Jews, and they are going to come to know him. In Jeremiah chapter 1, verse 5, it speaks of Jeremiah the prophet. It says, before you were born, I ordained you to be a prophet to the nations. God's sovereign will. Jeremiah had no cho choice in that. Daniel chapter 11 contains dozens of prophecies that are going to take place on this earth in future times. And they're all going to take place in God's appointed time. So there are things in people's lives, in nations, and in our circumstances that God has ordained by his sovereign will. The crucifixion of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, was determined by God before the foundation of the world. Let's look at our next scripture. Revelations 13.8 And all who dwell on the earth will worship him, whose names have not been written in the book of life of the Lamb, slain from the foundation of the world. Before the world was even created, the crucifixion of Jesus Christ was already planned by a sovereign God. Our next scripture, please. Speaking of Christ, him being delivered by the determined counsel and foreknowledge of God, you have taken by lawless hands, have crucified and put to death. The crucifixion of Jesus was done by the determined counsel and foreknowledge of God. Yet, lawless hands crucified him and put him to death. So men by their free will, their evil in their hearts crucified Christ. They will be culpable for that. But yet God was sovereign over it all. Somehow these two mysteries work together. Nothing that happens in our lives is ever outside of God's ultimate control or purposes or beyond his ultimate control. 
Free will exists, but it exists under the umbrella of God's sovereignty, his will of purpose. In other words, as you've heard me say many times, there's nothing that's going to happen in your life or mine that doesn't pass through God's hands first. He either ordains or allows it for his ultimate glory and for our good. This is the sovereignty of God. So a question I've been asked several times. So Joe, why pray for God's will to be done if his ultimate will is going to be done anyway? Well, that's a great question. And so to understand this question, we have to look at other aspects and other spheres of God's will that overlap one another in the great omniscience of our Creator and how they all work together. So we have the sovereignty of God, His will of purpose. That's number one. Here's a second aspect of God's will that's going to help us in our prayers and in our lives. It's called His secret will. God's secret will. Let's look at our next slide, please. Deuteronomy 29.29 The secret things belong to the Lord our God, but those things which are revealed belong to us and to our children forever, that we may do all the words of this law. So God has secret things, and he has revealed things concerning his will. There are some things that are secret that only God knows that we may never get an answer for. Why does this woman get to have seven kids with seven labors that went smoothly, and this woman has four miscarriages? Sometimes that's God's secret will. We never know the answer to that question. Why did they lay hands on this guy and he got healed of cancer to the glory of God, but they laid hands on this guy and two years later he died? The secret will of God. Why does this guy have more money than he knows what to do with, but I struggle to pay my bills every month? Some of those answers, some of those questions will never be answered. They are a part of the secret will of God. To understand the secret will of God is actually to not understand it. It's to walk by faith and trust in who he is. And I think there was an old song that said, um, if you can't trace his hand, trust his heart. Sometimes we just have to trust God's heart with his secret will. Well, he says in this passage that there's a revealed will. So that's our next aspect of God's will. The revealed will of God. His revealed will also can be called his will of command. God's clear revealed will for his children. That's what the revealed will of God is. This would be the main things and the plain things. You open your Bible, clearly says this, you need to do this. In Matthew 28, 19 and 20, it gives us the Great Commission, the revealed will of God to all of us who are Christians. Go and make disciples of all nations, 
baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them all things that I have commanded you. Clear will of God. Mark chapter 12, the great commandments. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. The clear revealed will of God. Another scripture. Next scripture, please. This is a scripture I camp on almost every day of my life to try to live. Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, in everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Nothing secret about it. Next scripture, please. For this is the will of God, your sanctification, that you should abstain from sexual immorality. Clear, black, and white. If you're not married, you're not allowed to have sex with the person you're with. If you are married, you're not, you're not allowed to be with anybody else. If you're a man, you're only allowed to be with a woman. If you're a woman, you're only allowed to be with a man. The clear, revealed will of God that we must follow. Another aspect of God's will, his will of desire. God's will of desire is not always fulfilled. It is affected by our faith, our prayers, and our choices. Jesus greatly desired that all of Jerusalem would be saved. He prayed, he preached, he ministered to that end. But it didn't happen. Hasn't happened yet. One day it's going to. Israel is going to come to Christ. But it hasn't happened. And listen to the words of Jesus in Luke 13. He said, O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the one who kills the prophets and stones those who are sent to her. How often I wanted to gather your children together as a hen gathers her brood under her wings. But you were not willing. Their will did not conform with God's desire. <clears throat> God desires that all men would be saved and spend eternity with him in heaven. Next scripture, please. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some count slackness, but is long-suffering toward us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Next slide, please. Who desires all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. God will not make us come to him. He will influence our decisions and our lives through the power of the Holy Spirit and oftentimes through his chastising hand, he will do everything he can to steer us in the right direction. But he will not make us obey. God did not create us as robots. He gave us a free will. If we were unable to make our own choices, God's commands would be futile and his punishments would be unjust. But they are not because God has given us all a free will. 
Somehow in the mystery of his omniscience, that he knows everything, God's sovereignty and man's free will work together to fulfill God's ultimate purposes. Our responsibility as, as believers is not to try to solve the tension that exists between God's sovereignty and man's free will. Our responsibility is to act upon God's revealed truth in obedience and for the rest to be still and know that he is God. Another aspect of God's will, his will of discernment. His will of discernment is not clearly revealed but it is also not secret. It must be discerned. For example, well, God, I really like this girl, and I really like this girl. Which one do I marry? God's probably not going to give you an audible voice to tell you. Lord, this job looks pretty good, and this job looks pretty good. Which one do I take? I like this church, he's preaching the gospel. I like this church, he's preaching the gospel. Which one should I go to? Lord, should I go to Ohio State or should I go to Michigan? Now we know God's will is Ohio State. That's his revealed will. In case you don't know that. We'll let you know that this morning. So how do we discern God's will? The will of discernment. I'm going to give two principles here. Number one, pray for the fear of God. Our next slide, please. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Next slide. And the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. When you're walking with God and you're fearing Him, and you're seeing life through the lens of the Scripture, and you're having respect and reverence and awe for your Father in Heaven, you will tend to see things through His eyes, and you will tend to make wise decisions. This is why it's so important to walk with God when you're making important decisions. If you get away from church, you get away from fellowship, you get away from the things of God, and you start making important decisions, you're going to tend to make unwise decisions if you're not walking in the fear of the Lord. Second way we discern God's will is we pray for wisdom and guidance as we move forward trying to make the decisions. It's, it, they work hand in hand. So we pray, God, guide my circumstances in this situation. God, help me to glean from past experiences concerning this situation. Lord, open doors for me. Close doors for me. And then, of course, wise counsel. That is something I try to have in my life all the time. When I have to make important decisions, i got four or five guys. I'm letting them know what's going on. What do you guys think? This is God's will of discernment. It must be 
sought after. So I've given you five aspects of, of God's will. I'm going to read them to you again, and I'm going to give you a suggestion of how to respond to them. So God's will of purpose or his sovereignty, we respond to that with worship. God's in control of everything. Just bow and thank him. As Charles Spurgeon said, the sovereignty of God is the pillow of the soul. At the end of the day, when life feels totally out of control, you can lay your head knowing he's ultimately in control. It's a wonderful doctrine. His secret will, we pray for faith and trust. His revealed will, or his will of command, we pray for obedience. God, help me to obey what is clear. In fact, I think that's the aspect of God's will that we will be the most accountable for on Judgment Day, is his revealed will. The main things and the plain things. Did you obey me? His will of desire, we pray for God to change people's hearts so that they desire what God desires for them. And his will of discernment, we pray for wisdom and we pray for guidance. Let me give you some general thoughts now concerning God's will. This is no secret to all of you, what I'm going to say next. God's will is not always easy. It can lead to sorrow, sacrifice, and suffering. The prosperity gospel tells you that you're a child of the king. Health, wealth, and prosperity is all God wants. He doesn't want you suffering financially, never being sick, abundant life. Sorry. you got to rip a lot of pages of this Bible out to believe that. All you have to look at is the life of our Savior in the Garden of Gethsemane, sweating great drops of blood. Father, not my will, but your will be done the agony of what he knew he was going to have to go through. Secondly, and this is easier said than done, we don't have to fear God's will. I don't know about you, but I, I fear God's will sometimes. <laughs> sometimes I ask for something and I, I think, man, Lord, please don't make me have to go through that. And I have to ask God to help me not to fear his will. Romans 12, 2 tells us that God's will is good, it is acceptable, and it is perfect. God's will is always good, even though what you may be going through right now is bad, and it hurts. There's some ultimate good that is in that, even if you don't understand it right now. And because of that, it's acceptable. We can embrace it. We, we, we don't have to run from it. And we know because God is perfect, his will is perfect. This all takes walking by faith. Walking on the promises of God. Not by feelings, that's for sure. I have to quote 
my brother Dwayne Hoffmeyer, who gave me a quote. He gave credit to Johnny Erickson for it, but I heard it from Dwayne, so it's got his signature in my leaflet. God often allows a thing he hates to achieve that which he loves. God is not the author of evil or sickness. He's not the author of those things. But because we live in a fallen world, he will use them as a part of his will to do something even greater. This is Romans 8:28 that all things work for good to them that love God. Thirdly, the will of God won't lead you where the grace of God won't sustain you. Next slide, please. Uh, this has just been one of my go-to scriptures in my life as I get older. Concerning this thing, I pleaded with the Lord three times that it might depart from me. And he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Paul had something wrong with him. Nobody knows what it is. There's speculation that it was some kind of eye problem. As you read some of the epistles, it alludes that he had eye problems. No one knows for sure. And I think God didn't let us know. So it would be generic. So it would apply to all of us. But Paul pleaded three times. And and he didn't just plead like, say three times a prayer. It's he pleaded three times, like three times in his life seasons. This season's a life, please God, get this out of my life. And then he probably waited. And then another season, Lord, please get this out of my life. God said no. And then maybe years later, he prayed again. And God said no. Do you have something like that in your life that has lasted weeks, months, years, decades? You start to be my age, and it's like the years start to pile up with certain trials. And we have this scripture. God says no, but he says, my grace is sufficient for you, for my strength will be made perfect in your weakness. I hate to admit it. I wish it wasn't this way, but there are some things that I just cannot learn without trials. I just know it. I'm going through some things right now and I'm learning some things. And I just know if I wasn't going through them, I wouldn't get it. And that's the beauty of it. And I think God gives us a grace that we will be able to look back and say it was worth it to go through it. You look at Johnny Erickson and what she's been through and to hear her say that I wouldn't trade my paralysis for what I have received in Christ. That's amazing. But that promise is for all of us, whatever we're going through. So finally, I've given you some aspects of God's will, and now the Bible says we're to pray for His will to be done as it's being done in heaven, in the same way. So that's, that's, there's a wide open topic. <laughs> How are things being done in heaven? Well, I'm going to give you two concepts that I know are being done in heaven. Main things, plain things. Our next, next slide, please. This speaks of the angels in heaven. Bless the Lord, you his angels, who excel in strength, who do his word, heeding the voice of his word. In heaven, the angels are unheedingly 
obeying the word of God. God says it, they do it. So if that's the way it's done in heaven, that's the way God wants it done on earth. Next slide, please. Forever, O Lord, your word is settled in heaven. It's sure not settled on earth. People are constantly questioning the Bible. There are skeptics. But there are no skeptics in heaven. The word of God is settled in heaven. In heaven, no one is questioning the word of God, and no one is disobeying the word of God. So if you want to know a main thing and a plain thing, as God's word is being obeyed in heaven, that's his desire for it to be obeyed here on earth with the things that have been taught this morning, as well as other things. <clears throat> I wrote down a concept that John MacArthur had. I thought it was very insightful. He said, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven is to be opposed to Satan's earthly kingdoms and Satan's will because he's the prince of the earth. It is to righteously rebel against the worldly idea that sin is normal and, and inevitable and therefore should be tolerated. It is to rebel against these three things, the world systems of ungodliness, the rejection of God's word, and the dishonoring of our Lord Jesus Christ. It is the buck the system of this world to pray, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. To be impotent in this prayer is to strike a truce with evil. We're to always be fighting for God's will. To pray thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven is to pray that God's word would be unashamedly proclaimed and zealously obeyed. You've probably heard me pray it up here many times, my definition of, re of revival. Lord, let there be revival in your church, a renewed zeal to love, fear, and obey God. I think that's tied right in to our subject this morning. Let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And in closing, there's only one person on earth who did God's will perfectly. There certainly wasn't any of us. It was the Lord Jesus Christ. In fact, he had to be perfect because the Bible required a perfect spotless lamb to be our sacrifice. So the Savior had to be God to pay for our sins, to die for rebels like us who often do not do the will of God as it is done in heaven. Have you put your trust in him today for your salvation? We're praying that you will. Let's pray together. Well, Father, um, that was a mouthful today. It was an earful, a lot to take into our hearts. Help us to process today's message. 
and by the power of the Holy Spirit to put feet to it in our lives, to worship you in your sovereignty, Lord, to trust you with your secret will, to pray for people's hearts to be changed with your will of desire, Give us discernment in our decision-making, Lord. All of these things, we need your help, Father. But most of all, help us to obey your revealed will, the main things and and the plain things. You said those who love you will keep your commandments. Help us to do that. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Please stand for our final song. Our benediction this morning is from Hebrews 13, 20 and 21. Before I read it, I'd just like to encourage you to take what Pastor Joe had to say this morning and don't just take it home and file it, but take it out this afternoon and tomorrow and use it with your family, use it with your friends, with your folks at work. Once again, it's Hebrews 13, 20 and 21. Now may the God of peace, who through the blood of the eternal covenant brought back from the dead of our Lord Jesus, that great shepherd of the sheep, equip you with everything good for doing his will, and may he work in us what is pleasing to him, through Jesus Christ, to whom be the glory forever and ever. Amen. You're dismissed. Thank you.